Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! Listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi, covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. It's Wednesday night, so you know what that means. It's Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad, Rhino down there in Studio X. Making sure everything runs according to our carefully planned out itinerary. We've planned this show right down to the the final seconds, more or less. Once again, that scalawag, Richard Cross, failed to promote this program. The jealous eyes are in full effect in Oxford, Mississippi, I see tonight. Can you believe him? If you want to talk... Bad about Richard, or good about Richard, depending on your 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 your, your feelings. You can hit us up on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. We'll talk some MSU sports tonight. And there is MSU sports tonight. Thankfully, I'd like to uh, give a shout-out to the SEC for not overlapping the game and this program. I appreciate you. Uh, Mississippi State tips off an hour and 23 minutes from now against the Florida Gators down there in Gainesville in what is... A, a, a quad one opportunity. The, the way the schedule set up for Mississippi State, and nobody could have predicted this prior to the start of the season, but eight of their first nine SEC games are quad one opportunities. So that's great from a resume building standpoint if you win some of them. And right now, State has only got that one win against the, uh, the Tennessee Volunteers, which was a great win, great win to have. That's a team that's probably going to be a top, you know, two, three seed when we get around to March. But they need to start stacking up some wins. And this stretch that we're in right now for Mississippi State, is, I feel, is going to kind of define what this season is. Are they going to be a team that's just comfortably in the NCAA tournament, or are they going to be a team that stays on the bubble all year long? Tell me their record in the next four games, and I'll tell you what I think. Obviously, 4-0 would, would make it easy. Yeah, No problems there. 3-1 and probably the same way. But if they're 2-2 two and two in these next couple of games... Uh, I feel like that's that's that goes a long, long way for just being safely in the discussion on Selection Sunday, not having to sweat the brackets, not having to worry about being in the play-in game. You're just in if you can get two quad one wins in these next four games. One and three, oh and four. Well, oh and four, you, you might legitimately be looking at not making it. One and three, you're still in the you're still in the hunt, but you're going to be playing the the bubble game. For the, for the whole year. So, and this, I mean, if you ask me what are the best two opportunities to win these next four games, which are, if you're not aware, at Florida tonight, Saturday, home against Auburn, maybe the hottest team in the SEC right now. They have a tough one tonight with Alabama. At Ole Miss on Tuesday, next Tuesday. Um, I mean, it's your in-state rival, that, that series, anything can happen. And then at Alabama, who you've already lost to this year, uh, in Tuscaloosa next Saturday. 
if you said, you know, just pick the two, you think they can get two wins, who are they? It's this one and, and Ole Miss. I think those are State's best two opportunities. Even at home, Auburn is a very, very tough team, and I don't think State can win at Tuscaloosa. Uh, they, they couldn't beat them in Starkville. I don't, I'm not going to predict them to win in Tuscaloosa. And I don't know necessarily that I would predict State to win any of these games. It just depends on how I feel when we get there. I think, I feel pretty good about their chances tonight down in Gainesville. Um, I feel like Tolu Smith is playing some of his best basketball these past couple of, of, of games. Uh, I feel like, for Mississippi State, uh, you know, Josh Hubbard has had back-to-back bad games, which leads me to believe that he won't do three in a row. Maybe that's just a guess on my part. Uh, we we will see. Um, they do they do need to get some more out of their guards, though. Their, the state's guards, especially their starting guards, have been kind of no shows these past few weeks. Deshaun Davis and Shaq Moore. Uh, they 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 need to start. Um. Uh, playing at at least the level they were playing at last season, preferably the level they were playing at in the non-conference. Davis especially, for such a veteran guy to see the way he's fallen off, has been kind of disappointing. And and, and Jans addressed that last Saturday after the game and said, you know, basically just said he's in a funk right now, and they've got to find a way to get him out of it. And he's got to help himself in, in that manner. So, But when you have guys like Josh Hubbard and Trey Fort playing at such a high level, especially Hubbard, Fort's been playing better. I shouldn't say high level. But Fort's been playing much better these past few games, on both ends of the court. And defense is what was keeping him off the court early in the season. You know, you got some tough decisions to make. You know, you you, you got to put guys out there who can who can score. You know, you got to score to win. And right now, when you look at State's starting lineup, Davis, Moore, Jeffries, Matthews, Tolu-Smith – You've really only got one guy that you trust to put the ball in the basket more often than not, and that's Tolu, and he's not a guy who can create his own shot. So State's not doing him any favors there. Now, I love what Matthews and and, and Jeffries bring, you know, as far as the rest of the game. Defense and rebounding, leadership. Those they're great and they're necessary and they need to be out there on the court. But you can't have four guys who aren't offensive threats around the one guy. So We'll see if that how that works out for State down in Gainesville tonight. Uh, Florida is a team. You know some of the stuff they like to do, some of the stuff that they are as a team, is it works against Mississippi State. They are a really good team on the offensive boards, and State has been giving up way, way too many offensive rebounds these past few games. Their guards are big and physical, sort of like States are, and so they can match up well. Your best bet, obviously, is going to be with Tolu. And and uh, you know, trying to get the ball into him playing that low post game. State has uh, you know the past few weeks that their defensive identity has not really been there. And I know they played great defense on, on Saturday against Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt is not a very good shooting team. And you know, they give up ninety points to Kentucky, eighty two to Alabama, seventy plus to uh, to to Tennessee. Even though that was in a victory, you know State's got to find a way to muddy this game up. Florida's more than happy to go up and down the court and shoot. And try to get this game into the into the mid seventies or higher. State needs to get back to what was working for them a season ago, and that's making the, the game just as brutal as possible on the defensive end of the court. And then hope that the, that the way you are improved offensively this year with Fort and Hubbard giving you some some outside shooting is enough to carry you over. They've kind of lost that identity they had in year one under Chris Jans. They've got to find a way to get that back. Uh, you know, starting tonight and in these next four games, two and two. The next four games, you're fine as far as making the tournament goes. Uh, 
one and three or worse, and it's going to be a struggle uh, throughout the year. So they've they've got to start stacking up wins. The resume's fine. I mean, they're forty net right this second. They've got the uh, I think they have they have one quad one win, maybe two. It just depends on what day of the week it is with Washington State. That game has been going uh, up and down uh, for Mississippi State, and currently right now, State one and three in quad one games. So Washington State, where are they right now? They're fifty seventh in the net. They need to get a game was played on a neutral site. They need to be fifty or higher. So it just sort of depends on what they do the rest of the year uh, for Mississippi State. And of course, that Southern game finally dropped into quad uh, four. It had been quad three for a few weeks, but Southern starting to lose some games uh, down there in the SWAC. So I mean, that that was to be expected. That game's going to be an anchor on you all season long. Uh, so they 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 get they they just have to work their way around that, and the way to do that is in these quad one opportunities. Which even after this next four, you still have a few left throughout the sprinkled throughout the season. Texas A and M will I think will end up being one. Georgia has a, a maybe a chance to be one. Uh, oh, sorry, think about not Georgia, not Georgia. Georgia's that's a home game. I forgot. Um, the other the second game with Ole Miss it just depends on what Ole Miss can do between now and then. Ole Miss has got a, a very interesting game tonight with Arkansas. You know that they got to defend their home court uh, against the Hogs because that that is not a good Arkansas team. Arkansas is easily the most disappointing uh, team in the uh, the early going here in the SEC. If I had to pick a most surprising team, it would be them, and it would not be. It's not a good surprise for the Hogs. Uh, that was a team I think you know had some preseason top ten recognition, but that's what the SEC has kind of been this year. And Tennessee has been about what everybody thought they would be. Auburn maybe a little bit better than people thought they were going to be. Alabama had some non-conference struggles, but they played really good teams. That's why their net is still uh, top ten. Kentucky, I mean, they lose last night at South Carolina. They get pushed around uh, by the Gamecocks last night. Got got beat up. What by lost by seventeen points? That's a very surprising result. But the Gamecocks look like they're going to be in the mix all season long. Obviously, Ole Miss is a lot better than a lot of people thought they were going to be, this me included. Uh, they've taken care of their business in the non-conference. they got to start getting some wins in conference play. Like I said, they, that's a big game for them tonight. SEC basketball this year looks like it's going to be a, a really good year in the conference. I don't know that there's a truly dominant team, top to bottom, a team that's going to go, you know, 16-2 and two or 15-3. and three. But, you know, somebody's probably going to win the conference at like 14-4. and four. Maybe fifteen and maybe uh, thirteen and, and and five. I don't know, but it's it's good basketball. And state needs to get a win tonight down there in Gainesville. And uh, so it's seven thirty tip off. So we'll uh, we'll all be watching that one later. Let's go to football when we come back. I want to talk about uh, Mississippi State picking up a uh, commitment for twenty twenty five. What about twenty twenty four? Let's talk about the shift that's going on with recruiting focus at Mississippi State when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Back 
back here on Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, if you uh, you haven't heard, this is also available in a podcast form, and you can just you know subscribe to to it and get it whenever you want. If you, if you miss it, if you miss it for some reason, it's right there. Twenty minutes later, you, you you got nothing to worry about. Plus, five days a week, Thunder and Lightning with me and Robbie Falk. Super Talk, we provide a lot of great podcasts for sports fans here in this state. We have this podcast for the Thunder and Lightning podcast. We have the Rebel Report for the Ole Miss fans. Of course, you know, you can listen to whatever you want. The Eagle Hour, we have from D2 and D3, handling uh, Mississippi College and Bellhaven and Millsaps and all that. And, of course, we have the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. And what do we charge you for all these podcasts? Absolutely nothing. Just listen for free. We're just giving it away. So check them out. Subscribe, rate, review. Five stars. Say whatever you want in the review, but five stars. We appreciate it. Uh, Mississippi State Football got a little uh, good news this weekend, uh, did, didn't they, Rhino? Mississippi State adds Jeremiah McLeod. What a confusing uh, hometown situation for this kid. He's from Havana, Florida. All right, you got to think, okay, Havana, Florida. Must be near Miami. No, it's near Tallahassee. And then he goes to Gadsden County High School. Oh, must be in Alabama. No, it's in Florida. Kid's got an identity crisis already. No rating from any uh, uh, service. I think that's just just early in the process. Outside of like the, the elite, elite kids, for the most part, kids aren't getting, haven't been rated yet. Uh, but when you look at his offer sheet, you should feel pretty good. He's got a bunch of Power 5 offers, West Virginia, Arkansas, uh, Cincinnati, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Miami, Tennessee. Pretty good offer sheet for this kid, 6'5". A 6'5", 285-pound kid in high school, I mean, just, just do the projection thing. He'll be 300 pounds by the time he starts. He plays his first game at Mississippi State. So three commitments now for State in the 25 class. Only one of them are currently in State, and that's the quarterback from Knoxby County, Camario Taylor, uh, and then, of course, linebacker A.J. Rice. And before you even ask, before you ask, I know somebody's about to hit the text line and ask me this question. Yes, related to Jerry Rice. Yes, he is related to Jerry Rice. So, uh, so state, yeah, three commitments right now. Obviously, very early in the process. But speaking of the process, that is what Mississippi State, they've made a decision. Uh, it seems like a conscientious decision at this point to move forward with the class of 25, and 24 is done for the time being. I know a lot of people, and myself included, were looking at state and what they were doing in the portal, not really bringing in a lot of impact players defensively. Um, you know, if you look at the guys that they brought in, I think they maybe got two potential starters. I think Stone Blanton will definitely be one. Wilkie Denod, the, uh, the defensive lineman from Auburn, has an opportunity to be one. But there's not, you know, for a team that has real issues on the defensive side of the ball, they didn't go out and get a guy that you can just say, for sure, he's starting. That's a big time player. They, they didn't get that guy. And I, and I want to stress, and I said this on tomorrow's podcast, and I'll say it again here. Um, I don't think it was lack of effort on on the staff. I think it was lack of interest from from players. I think 
You know, you have a, a unknown defensive coordinator in Coleman Hutzler. You have a program that, you know, you, you think next year is, you know, bowl eligibility is a good goal for them. If you're a transfer with one year left to play, that maybe that's not what you want to get yourself involved in. So I get that. I understand that. I think State did the best they could, but they, they, the players just weren't interested. You know, and this is something, I, a point I've been having to make a lot on the, uh, on the podcast is just because you have NIL money, it's not, it's not like going to the store. You just pick it up off the shelf and put it in your cart. You know, you have, the, the, the thing has to want to get in your cart in this situation. And I think that's the case. I think a lot of players right now, they just don't view Mississippi State as a destination that's going to help them achieve their goals this upcoming season. They need to see from Levy and from Hutzler, more importantly, that, that that's not the case. So State's going to go into you know 2024 with who they have, and they've made this, this it seems like a conscientious decision to focus recruiting on 2025. Uh, the last few weekends, State has had a bunch of big-time juniors on campus. Um, just from here in the State, I mentioned Camario Taylor was here. Caleb Cunningham, the number one player in the State, one of the top 10, 15 players in the country, uh, depending on what recruiting service you look at, the five-star receiver out of Choctaw County. He was here a couple weekends ago. Um, Kevin Otis, big four-star defensive lineman out of uh, out of Hattiesburg, has been here. Tyler Miller, four-star offensive lineman out of Laurel, hoping to you know looking like he he might follow in the footsteps of Charles Cross and Malik Ellis to Mississippi State. He's been here. State's been been pushing the 2025 kids. The one impression that I get from this group and. Look, I know, I know it's early. I know it's it's super early. I'm not making any bold proclamations here. I'm just telling you that this staff, this group, especially on the offensive side of the ball, has a passion for recruiting that we haven't seen in quite some time at Mississippi State. Does that mean they're going to go pull in a top ten class? I'm, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that this is a a a, a staff that understands the the importance of recruiting. And is willing to get out there and, and get after it. I thought Moorhead staff had some guys like that, including the head man. Joe Moorhead was definitely a recruit, recruiting head coach. He, he enjoyed the recruiting process. Leach's staff, not so much, you know, and I think that, that bears itself out in what this team is going to look like next year in that you know, they're, they're, they're just missing a lot of guys. You got pointed out today that state has five cornerbacks on scholarship for next year. So if they have two injuries, your two deep is going to have either a walk-on or a wide receiver at the cornerback position. And none of those guys are proven. Not a single one of them. So State, yeah, when we talk about the spring portal window, State's going to have to hope that somebody comes free in that. Maybe somebody from Michigan uh, with, with the, the news of today. But the, the, the decision has been made to go to 2025. And again, I'm not predicting anything for Mississippi State. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're going to have a, 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 a historic recruiting class or anything, anything more than, than what you would expect from them. I just am telling you that this staff is not going to be, you know, I hate to say not going to be outworked because I feel like one of those strength and conditioning coach things. Like they're working harder than anybody. Everybody's working hard. I know everybody works hard at recruiting, or at least most everybody works hard at recruiting. But I feel like this staff is going to work harder at recruiting than any we've seen in quite some time, from top to bottom. And I think that starts with Levy. I think Levy is a guy who who enjoys the recruiting process, understands what it what it takes to get top recruits. Uh, has worked at schools like Oklahoma, 
where where you know where where recruiting is the lifeblood of the program. It's not a developmental program. But he's also worked in places like Central Florida. And don't get mad, Ole Miss fans, but his first two years at Ole Miss was about developing players. The portal wasn't as big a deal back then. He developed Matt Corral. He and Kiffin developed Matt Corral into a star quarterback. He developed a lot of those guys. So he's got both. He's got uh, experience in both ends, getting the high-end talent and then taking those undervalued guys and turning them into stars. That's a good. That's that's what you need. That's that's the place where you need to sit as Mississippi State's head coach. You need to be able to fight and try to fight for those highly rated guys, but you have also have to know that you got to have an eye for the underrated guy. That's 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 the key to success at Mississippi State. The state's never going to be a team that, that that's consistently top ten, even top fifteen in recruiting. You know, if you're a consistent top twenty team at state, I feel like you're doing really well. But at the same time, you, you can't just sit here and say, "Well, you know, I know they have the forty eighth rated class, but." They'll coach them all up. You can't be that guy either. Stars absolutely do matter. This is a good good year in the state of Mississippi. We're having back-to-back good talent years here in the state. Obviously, this past year, a great number of four-star kids. And uh, next year, it looks like the same. This class of 25 looks like it's going to be the same. And I imagine Ole Miss is going to be highly involved in a lot of these players. I imagine uh, we'll be dealing with out-of-state, LSU, Alabama, so on and so forth. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, of, of competition uh, in the state for these four and four-star players. Um, I don't think there's a five-star in the state this year, other than Cunningham. Cunningham's the only one. So we'll see. We'll see where it all takes us as far as as, as the recruiting process goes. But I'm, I'm fascinated to watch how this goes. State's got another junior day that weekend this uh, this weekend. I know. Of the top prospects, I know a Kalen Deer from, uh, I think he's from Columbia. I don't know that for a fact. You correct me if I'm wrong. One of the top running back in the state this year, though. So, really good, uh, really interesting to see how states attacked recruiting early on in the process by which they do it. We're going to talk a little more football when we come back. I want to talk about Blake Shapin. That was our topic on the uh, Thunder and Lightning podcast uh, yesterday. I want to hit a little bit more on it today, though. So, we'll see where it takes us. Back in just a minute. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi, Wednesday evening. Always appreciate you guys spending a little time with me on a Wednesday evening. Rhino as well. So on Tuesday's Thunder and Lightning podcast, Robbie Falk and I, we kind of dove into the uh, to Blake Shapin and and the, the likely QB1 for Mississippi State and what is a fair expectation for him. And what is, you know, where does he have to be for State to be 
successful, however you want to gauge success for, for year one of Jeff Lebby at Mississippi State. I personally going to gauge that as back in a bowl game. At 6-6 six and six with this schedule, if you told me right now that State's going to win their four non-conference and win two of the conference games, I don't even care what two they are. Don't care. <laughs> be funny if they were Georgia and Texas, I'll tell you that, but I don't think that's going to happen. But at 6-6, six and six, I feel like that year one, that is a, an acceptable first year. And even at 5-7, and seven, I, I mean, if, the, if the, the team just looks better, I'm willing to... I'm willing to you know, see, I'm willing to go further, deeper than the record there. I want to see more. But for me, it starts with the offense on this team because that's what you hired Jeff Lebby to, del- to deliver. Uh, you, you hired him to, to be an exciting, innovative offensive coach. You, you see what's going on in college football these days and the days of defense winning championships. I say that just as Michigan wins one, but by and large, what wins in college football today is points. You know the days of of squeezing out a thirteen to ten win are kind of they're kind of by the wayside. Now it's about you know can you put 35, 38 points on the board? And the good news is for Mississippi State is if they can average thirty points a game, thirty one points per game, which is smack in the middle of the SEC, that would have been good. I think for seventh this year, you're probably a bowl team. You're probably right there, assuming your defense isn't absolutely horrible. You know, and I think about Levy at his first year at Ole Miss when he was the offensive coordinator. They had the number fourteen offense uh, in total offense, and I think they were higher than that in scoring offense against an all SEC schedule. They averaged forty one points per game. Defensively, they were awful. They were the one hundred twenty seventh defense, and that's out of one hundred twenty eight. So it just goes to show you, if you can score enough points, you win games. So what am I thinking about with Blake Shapin? I think, and this is one of the things I said. I think a lot of state fans. Uh, early on, were a little disappointed that Blake Shapin was the guy. I think when he committed to Mississippi State, that there was still a hope that Dylan Gabriel could be at Mississippi State, or a guy like DJ Ungalangalele, I think I said that right, or a guy like Cam Ward or, or Will Howard. Just, just the, all the big names were still out there. And Shapin, if you recall, he committed. Late on a Friday afternoon, I think we were in the last segment of, of, of Sports Talk Mississippi, and we had to, to break that news out there and, and didn't really have time to digest it and, and give it to you. But when you look at his stats, he's a career 60-plus percent completion guy. His touchdown interception, I think, is 36-13, to 13, so that's really good. Uh, he's got some mobility. doesn't have big rushing numbers, but you can see he can move around in the pocket a little bit. You know, there's there's some reason for some optimism there. So what do I expect from him in year one? If I if, if my baseline expectation for success in year one is to go to a bowl game, what numbers does does Blake Shapin have to give Mississippi State to get there? And you look at what Levy's offenses have done uh every year he's been he's been a coach, right? You know, Mackenzie Milton, his first year now. Mackenzie Milton is kind of a different story. He was already a proven winner and a proven good college quarterback when Levy took over. But there was no drop-off for him. He threw for, I think, 2,600, 2,700 yards. That's before he got hurt in the, one of the last games of the season. So you probably could have added another, well, they would have played conference championship game and a bowl game. So probably could have he probably finishes around 33, 3,400 yards. Uh, the next year at Central Florida with Dylan Gabriel there, 3,600 yards, 29 touchdowns. Goes to Ole Miss with Corral. Remember, Corral, all we knew about Corral was he had a big arm. 
didn't know that what kind of quarterback he was going to be, and he was immediately a star in this system for Ole Miss. Threw for well over 3,000 yards both years. Uh, threw for, I think, in his career, if I have the numbers correct, it's 49 touchdowns to uh, 19 interceptions. And I always point this out with Corral. Of that, of that number, 11 interceptions came in two games. He had a six-pick game against Arkansas, a five-pick game against LSU, and that was it. The rest of the time, he was really judicious with the ball. Uh, and then these last two years at Oklahoma, back with the Dylan Gabriel, Gabriel's been putting up huge numbers. Uh, again, you know, plus 3,000 yards. So are we willing to say that in year one, 3,000 yards is kind of the baseline? Again, you know, I don't want it to be misconstrued as bias or, or blind optimism. These are the numbers that Levy's system has produced at each stop he's been at when he's been the offensive play caller. So I don't think I'm, I'm putting an, an, an abnormal amount of pressure on Blake Shapin if he is the starting quarterback for Mississippi State, and I think that he will be. I don't think I'm putting an, an inordinate amount of pressure on him to say, that's that's the number he needs to hit. He needs to be around 3,000 yards in this season for Mississippi State to be successful. 3,000 yards, and then, you know, interestingly enough, with, with you know, with McKenzie Milton and with uh, Corral, you, you had the, the rushing stats. Um, I'm trying to, I'm getting Gabriel's stats up here. I don't know how much he gave those teams in the running game. But Corral, obviously, huge numbers in the running game. And, yeah, and 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 not so much with, with Gabriel. He did rush for 373 yards this year. Did have 12 rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, Corral had a lot of rushing touchdowns, too. Something about this offense. I guess it's because they spread the field so much that when those things open up, especially down near in the red zone, you get a chance for some quarterback runs. Um, Dart does the same thing now and what, what Kiffin's running now. So 3,000 yards in year one, I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm coming out of the air raid where 3,000 yards was just kind of what you expected. Then they had this past year where State was just so bad offensively that 3,000 yards feels like a ton again. But it's if you're going to be throwing the ball as much as State is in this system, it's really not. It's really not. It's really not as many yards as you think it is. So... That's where I got to be with Shapin. You know, he, he needs to be between 2,800 and 3,200 yards passing. He needs to be around between 24 and 30 touchdowns for State to be what I think they, they would be successful year one. If he's less than those things, then it, it means two things. It means they're not successful, and it means for the first time under Levy, that happened. And you have to ask why. You have to, then, then, we, then we're having a whole other discussion. This team this year has to be better offensively. That's the pressure on Jeff Levy. You were hired because State wants to be better offensively. Defensively is a question mark, and that's tomorrow's uh, Thunder and Lightning podcast. You can you can hear we talk about the defense and what that's what that might look like year one for for Coleman Hutzler and his side of the ball. But if Levy's not good offensively, that's going to be an issue for Mississippi State. They need him to come in from, from, from day one and improve this offense and be the kind of offense he's been at the previous stops. All right. You've got some weapons. 
You you need to figure out the running back situation a little bit. I'm not I'm not sold on that room completely, but I feel like with Shapen, you've got a, at least a veteran quarterback. You've upgraded the offensive line through the transfer portal. You added a couple of good receivers through the portal, and you brought back a couple as well. Yeah, and of course you recruited you know three four star kids that you feel like are going to contribute in some way in year one. These are these are the these are the the things that that uh, that Levy have been given. And if you think, well, you know, he didn't at Ole Miss, blah blah blah. He had this, this, and this. Guys, he didn't have the transfer portal at Ole Miss. He walked in. He had Matt Corral. He had Elijah Moore. Nobody knew Elijah Moore was about to have the most historic season in Ole Miss history as far as a receiver goes. Nobody knew that Matt Corral was going to become the kind of quarterback. They thought he was good. He was talented. He was a four-star kid out of high school. You knew he had a big arm. He was a good athlete. But nobody saw that. And you got it. Nobody saw Elijah Moore in eight games catching 86 passes. And I don't know that State has an Elijah Moore talent on their team, but they have somebody who's capable of catching 50, 60 passes this year and getting up close to 1,000 yards. Now, is that Kelly Akari or or Kevin Coleman, one of the two transfers coming in? Is it Justin Robinson? Can he finally take the lid off of his talent? Is it a guy like Creed Whittemore who could possibly, you know, do something like that? Or, or is it, you know... Are you going to see a, a freshman come in like Stonka Burnside and just from day one be a, a factor for Mississippi State? I don't know the answer to that question. But I do know that State, if they're not better offensively in year one, then what, it, what, was, what was the point of all this? I don't know. I expect them to be better. I expect them to be better offensively. They averaged 21 points per game last year. You know, in this day and age of college football, how bad that is? Especially when you consider they scored 48 on uh, – Southeast Louisiana, and 41 on Southern Miss. They had two games where they averaged 40 plus. Means in the other 10, they averaged around 17. That doesn't. That's not getting it done in today's college football. All right, we'll bring it back and wrap things up with you in just a moment. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Wrap things up here on a Wednesday night. Thunder and lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. If you haven't bookmarked the Super Talk website just yet, do it. Supertalk.fm. News, opinion, weather, sports, all of our podcasts, all of our shows, everything you could possibly want right there at one website. Again, it is of no charge to you. And you can check out everything going on in our great state and in our country uh, today at Supertalk.fm. FM. Plus, there are if you go to the uh, our staff, there are great pictures of me and Rhino. We look fantastic. I think so, anyway, Rhino. I think you look great. I might no? need to update it a little bit. <laughs> we we both do. We both do. We need to get you. We we need to take your picture this year immediately after the Palmer Home Radiothon. So, or so when somebody sees you, somebody sees you in December, they're like, "Wait, what?" 
We could really freak him out if we did the whole like split screen where you put a line down the middle and I have mm. half before and half after. <laughs> I like. I see. We're we're thinking here. I like that. I like that. Um, this Friday is our first media availability with Mississippi State baseball. So we'll be talking to Coach Lamonis, uh, Coach Parker, and some of the uh, the other Diamond Dogs for the first time uh, leading into the 2024 season, which. Uh, Course starts uh, twenty two days from now. Twenty two days from now, we'll go with that. That sounds right. This sounds right in my head, so we'll just go with that. Um, February sixteenth is opening day uh, in Starville. No time for the first game yet. I'll just go ahead and tell you it's going to be between two and three o'clock because it's going to be cold, and they're not going to want you to stay out there until seven eight o'clock at night, ten o'clock at night, uh, freezing to death. Very interested. Let's see what Lamonas has to say. On uh, on Friday, if you listen to sports talk earlier today, Kendall Rogers was on with us. His answer about Mississippi State got kind of cut off there. He was he was going, he was just into it, and, and he w- went through the commercial break. But uh, he had some positive things to say about State. He, he likes their, the lineup for the Bulldogs. Obviously, Hines, Jordan. You, you know, you've got a couple of mashers there, and then you, you've got some other guys around them: Mershon, Amani, Larry, who can be quality hitters. It's all about pitching for State at the end of the day, right? You know, Justin Parker has a huge task in front of him. It, what we were just talking about with with state football and with, with Levy, if he can just elevate the offense, the defense doesn't have to be that great. It's kind of the same thing. State, you know, offensively is going to be okay. They've, they've got some guys who can who can hit the baseball. Last year, they were the worst pitching team in the conference by a large margin. They gave up seven earned runs per game. Seven. And then on top of that, they were maybe the worst fielding team in the conference as well. If those two things are just average this year, average, State will be comfortably into the postseason no matter what. It does beg, it does bring a question to me, and I, I don't know the answer to it before if you ask. I don't know the answer to this question, but you know, what is the minimum acceptable standard this year? I think we all know that Chris Lamonis, after back-to-back seasons missing the NCAA tournament, if a third one of those happens... He will no longer be the head coach of Mississippi State. There's, there's no getting around that. I, you know, I'm not telling Chris Lamonis anything by saying that. He knows it too. So what's the what's the minimum? Is it just making the tournament? Does he need to host? Does he need to be a, a top eight seed? I don't know the answer to that question. You know, I, I tend to think that if he makes the postseason, he would be safe for another year. But at the same time, you know, making the the football analogy. Uh, if a, if a program was a, you know, if you had a program in football that consistently, you know, contended, you know, it was a consistent top 10 program and, and won a national title and, and, you know, made it to the, uh, the college football playoff on a regular basis. And they went back to back losing seasons in year three, coming back from that would making the music city bowl be enough. I don't know the answer. You know, you look at Zach Selman. And I go back to last spring and our last summer, and I thought that he might go ahead and pull the trigger on Chris Lamonis, and he didn't. And I thought, well, okay, well maybe he's he's you know a cautious guy, and he's not gonna he's not gonna do things you know that quickly. And then he let Zach Arnett go with with you know uh, a couple games left in the regular season. So I thought, okay, well no, this is a guy when he makes up his mind, his mind is made up. So I don't really you know, give Zach Selman credit. He is he's he's got me. I don't know. I would want to play poker with him at this time. 
So I don't know what the answer is to, to that question. You know, what does Lamonas have to do? What is the minimum acceptable requirement? But I do know this: if he's not in the NCAA tournament, then when we get to May, you and I get to talk about a coaching search. Can this team make it to the tournament? They can. They can. They have the talent to do that. Will they? You have to tune in to find out, I guess, because I'm gonna I'm right there with you. I don't know the answer. I'd like to say yes, but I, I can't I can't tell you that with a straight face today. So MSU tips off in about 30 minutes against the Florida Gators. Big game for the Bulldogs. We'll talk about it tomorrow on the Thunder and Lightning podcast and of course on Sports Talk Mississippi. For Rhino down in Studio X, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks so much for joining me here on a Wednesday evening here on Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.